Bibles, please open them up to the book of Romans chapter 15. We're going to be looking at the first seven verses of chapter 15. This morning we will finish the book of Romans this coming Wednesday and then next Sunday. Very, very excited. Pastor Brad will be here with us this sun- next Sunday. Not, don't get too excited. I'm looking who's clapping right now. I've been reviewing cameras. Some of you guys are a little too excited for the return. No, but let's, let's, I'm excited, man. I'm so excited. I'm excited that he's going to be here next Sunday teaching, but he's actually going to be here for two weeks. So even though I'm the senior pastor, I'm terrified to preach in front of him still. So <laughs> he can't even fire me anymore, but I'm going to be a little worried. Uh, maybe he can. I don't know. But he's like, I'm coming back. No, but he's going to be here for two weeks. And so he would be so blessed to see each and every single one of you guys. So I hope you're going to be blessed to come on out and just to hear what the Lord has put on his heart. So Next Sunday, he'll be here 9 and 11 and just be praying for him as he travels and uh, that he would just be just blessed and refreshed as he comes back home. Also, if you are single and, you know, that event's not for it, but I do have a matchmaking service. Um, You know, I just love matchmaking people. I know a lot of the single, no, I'm just kidding, but I'm not. I love matchmaking people. I just think it's such a beautiful thing, but I won't do it unless you want me to. But, um, so, but um, also, if you're here for the first time, I just want to say hello. So often you can come and slip into the church and slip out without anybody saying hi to you. So if this is your first time worshiping with us, will you just wave as I say hello? Awesome. Hello, hello, hello. We got people all over. Good to see you guys. I want to say hello. And also, before you guys leave, I'd ask that you would just stop by and say hello. I could shake your hand. We have a little gift on behalf of the leadership here for you guys. We're just so thankful God brought you here. But he brought you here for a reason. That's to hear from his word. He wants to speak to us. So let's get into that this morning. Romans chapter 15, verses 1 through 7. Now, the first half of Romans chapter 15 is a continuation of thought that he was carrying over from the previous chapter. And Paul was dealing specifically with believers who had different issues, differences that may not be very, very clear in Scripture, may not be black and white issues. And these are non-essential issues that was causing a little bit of conflict within the body of Christ. And so the Apostle Paul wanted to address these things. And regardless where they and Rome at this time stand on those things or where we today may stand on these non-essential, non-black and white issues in the Scripture, we see Paul's plea for unity here and for us to walk in love. We're different, we're, we're all different, there's a diversity and different members within the body, but there needs to be harmony and unity, not dividing, but delighting in our differences. So let's look at verse one, it says this. Now we, are strong, now we who are strong ought to bear the weaknesses of those without strength and not just please ourselves. Each of us is to please his neighbor for his good to his edification. For even Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell upon me. And so he jumps right in, like I said, continuing the thought. And to help us understand it for contextual purposes here, the Apostle Paul was writing this to ease the tensions and to push and really to plea for unity between the Jewish and the Gentile believers. As the Spirit of the Lord was falling upon the church, Jews and Gentiles and people from different backgrounds and different practices, they were coming together under the umbrella of Christ. And you can imagine whenever you come together, different backgrounds, different race, different ethnicities, different 
pasts. You come together. It doesn't always work smoothly. And that's the beauty of the body of Christ. That's why we need each other. We learn from each other. We glean from each other. And we need to delight in our differences and not allow them to divide us. And so these different backgrounds, the different practices, was they were coming together under the umbrella of Christ, there was causing a bit of strife within the body. And so we see here in verse 1, Paul starts with a challenge. And he says, we who are strong ought to bear the weaknesses of those who are weak or those who without strength. And so it's a plea for the strong to go down and to pull up, to help, and to be patient and loving and kind to those who are without strength. Now, it says specifically we're to bear. Now, the word bear here in the Greek, it means to pick up, to lift, or even to carry a heavy weight. And that is what the Apostle Paul is calling the strong to do to those who are weak. And this is a difficult, this is a tall task, this is a big ask, not only for the church in Rome, but even for us today, because this goes against everything that the flesh desires, the flesh wants, but also everything that the world teaches. The, war, the flesh is part of us that says, look out for yourself. The world will teach you and it will tell you from very, very day one to look out for yourself, only the strong survive, Get whatever you can. Don't worry about what anybody else thinks, what anybody else cares. Look out for you. And that is opposite of the scriptures, opposite of the teachings of Jesus Christ. And so the strong, he's saying here, to plead, to go down and to lift up, to carry, to literally lift a heavy weight upon the strong for the weak. That's love. That's going the extra mile. And so since we see that the strong have this responsibility, it's of the utmost importance to know who is the strong. Because the strong are required to lift and to carry and to bring along those who are weak. And so we must know who the strong is. And the strong might not be exactly who we think that they are. Right off the bat, even as we're talking about this, some of you guys took notes. I got to carry the weak. I got to put the weak on my back. Okay, here we go. No, you may not understand. We may not really understand who the strong is. And as we saw in chapter 14, a lot of these conflicts and a lot of the division, it stemmed specifically from observing certain days or eating certain things. And so both Jews and Gentiles, as we said, they were coming and they were saved, but they had different practices. They understood the freedom and their need for Christ in their life. And so they received Christ, they opened up their heart, they realized that they were dead in their sins and dead in their trespasses. Without a relationship with Christ, they have no relationship with God. And they came to understand that, and they received that. But also, with that came along some of their old practices and habits. Jews were getting saved, but Jews were entrenched in Judaism and being under the law. And so even though they had received Christ, they were still molded and shaped by the law, so they were bringing some of those things into Christianity. And the same thing with the Gentiles, very sensitive to idols and meats and things that they should eat. And so they're bringing these things and they're putting them under the umbrella of Christianity, things that don't matter in the Christian faith, but they were practices and things that they were entrenched in. And so they were holding on to these things. They were placing one day over another. This is the day that we have to worship. And we can't eat meat and all these different things that were non-essential, non-black and white in the scriptures, but was part of their history, part of their culture, part of their old practices. 
And it was causing a lot of problem within the church. They were very sensitive to these things. We need to eat this and not eat that and worship on this day. And interestingly enough, it was those who were holding themselves to these strict practices, these holy practices that they thought was important, that the Bible refers to as the weak. Those who had the strict dietary restrictions, those who upheld to the law to the T, still with Christianity, the Bible is saying those were the ones who were weak, while those who understood their freedom in Christ, and it was Christ alone and nothing else mattered, those were the ones who were referred to as strong. Now, reading this, it was hard for me to understand this, and it might be hard for maybe some of us to process this as well, because you would think naturally that those who had the most strict rules and regulations, those who were the most sensitive and had the most boundaries in their life would be the strong. Oh, I'm not going to eat that. I'm not going to do this. I'm going to carry myself this certain way. And so they had rules and regulations. You would think that they were more holy, more righteous, more sensitive would be strong. But those aren't the case. Now, it's important before we go on any further, we're talking about black and white, non-black and white issues. We're not, we're not talking about sin issues, but issues that people are sensitive to. Sin issues, you can't say, oh, you're just weak because, you know, no, a sin is a sin. That's not what he is talking about here. And so people were sensitive to certain things, days to worship, eating meat, things that the scriptures are very, very not clear or not preaching and teaching upon. And so oftentimes, the weaker brother, the reason he's saying that we need to, those who are strong need to go and to bear their weakness, because the weaker brother really does one or two things in their weakness. What they will do is they will look down upon those who are strong, who exercise their freedoms, or they will be stumbled by those who exercise their freedoms. And so what he's saying here is we're to bear the weakness and not just please ourselves. Our freedoms, our liberties, they're not just for ourselves and we just look out for ourselves. We don't care what anybody else thinks. We're going to do what we're going to do because we can. No. The Apostle Paul says, no, 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 no. We who are strong, we need to bear, lift that burden, encourage them. We don't want them to look down. We don't want to be a stumbling block. We need to be patient and be sensitive. And so Paul's point is, is very, very clear here. What he's saying is if we're strong and we have the freedom to do something, we need to be sensitive to others so that they aren't stumbled. The Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 13, he understood this. And he said, if eating meat caused my brother to stumble, I will no longer eat meat. Think about that. Where are my meat lovers at? Carne asada, ribeye, steak. I mean, come on. The Apostle Paul was willing to do that for his brother. And he said, look, man, I love me some carne asada. Especially, the Apostle Paul said, actually, and the prophet Hosea, that Cinco de Mayo, he loved. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> he said he loved carne asada. But no, the Apostle Paul was willing to say, I won't even eat meat. And that's going to cause somebody to stumble. The Apostle Paul understood. He wasn't bound by the law. There was no, nothing in the scriptures that said he couldn't eat meat. But if someone was sensitive to that, he said, man, I won't, I won't even do it. That's how much I love my brother. I don't want to see them stumble. If somebody thinks that eating meat is wrong, I am not going to do it. And that's the heart that we need to have. Not just looking out for ourselves, not just pleasing ourselves, but willing to please our brethren. There's going to be times that we should, and the Spirit will prompt us, 
that we will lay aside freedoms that we have that aren't wrong, to lay those things aside for the love of our brethren. And if we don't, that's where things get tricky. We could be free, we can have the liberty to do something, but if we're not willing to lay those things aside for the love of our brother and for the weaker brother not to stumble or not to cause somebody to struggle, that's when these liberties and these freedoms that we have the right to do become sin and a stumbling block. Think about that. Something that we're free to do, that God has given us the green light, can become a stumbling block if we're not using our freedoms and liberties responsibly, looking out for the weaker brother. Freedoms, things. I mean, and there's so many things that we could talk about. But the plea is for unity and for division and not, and, and not for division, not to allow these things to divide. Things that aren't black and white. Social media, uh, Facebook has now become the Christian debate book. We love going back and forth, and I, I've never met one person who says, you know what, I was debating and arguing with this guy on Facebook, and he changed my mind. You know what? All this, thank you. I've never read one comment, thank you so much for enlightening me. It, it never happens. We cause more division, especially within the Christ, Christian faith. We're divided, even though we're under the umbrella of Christianity. We're Calvary Chapel, we're non-denominational, and we feel the need to preach against the Baptist. Oh, you're Baptist. <laughs> oh, if you guys only could be like us, you know? <laughs> you know? And then people look down upon us. Mmm, Calvary Chapel. What does that mean? Uh, I don't want to get into it, but since you asked, <laughs> next thing you know, there's like Christian civil wars going on. It's okay. We keep the main thing the main thing. It's Christ. We don't have to divide and be divisive over things that are non-essential, non-black and white. You know, growing up, I, I remember a big thing was within the Christian church was, was dancing. I, I didn't see anything about dancing in the scriptures, but I tell you what, there's a lot of legislation a long time ago about dancing. You couldn't dance in a church. You couldn't dance. If you went to a Christian school, there was no dances because dancing is what? It makes babies. Can you, how many of you guys have heard that? How many, can you imagine? Uh, prom? Oh, no, 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 no prom. You can take up, go to a park, take some pictures. There ain't going to be no dancing around here. We know where that leads. But man, I, I know several brothers and sisters, maybe some of you guys here who enjoy dancing. But there might be people who are stumbled by dancing. Oh, it's okay if you, you know, country dance, line dancing. That's Jesus' dance right there. <laughs> The salsa and the merengue? Oh, no. <laughs> you stay away from that. You know, like, it's, it's all sorts of different things that can divide us. And, and some of the real tricky ones are things that are in the scriptures, but we add to them things like drinking. Some people have the liberty and the, the freedom to drink, have a nice glass of wine with dinner and, you know, go out wine tasting with the girl, you know, just to, you know, little, little things, whatever it may be. Like, oh my gosh, I can't believe you do that. Well, remember, the Bible condemns drunkenness. And so all of a sudden we're, you know, you show up to somebody's house, 
you know, and, you're, and you start judging them. But at the same time, that's something, if you have that freedom and that liberty, you want to use that cautiously. You want to make sure that you do that. So that's why I don't post on my Facebook when I'm doing salsa dancing, you know what I mean? <laughs> you guys don't want all that. You guys don't want all that, you know. You guys would think it was weird. I got a wig, my hair, you know. <laughs> you guys don't want all that, you know. It might stumble somebody with a lot of people, but, you know, you just, you just got to be careful with those things. And that's why it says we are not to just please ourselves. And so the Apostle Paul is asking them and us to walk in love and not to divide, not to allow these differences to divide, but to delight in them. We're the body. We've got different backgrounds, different freedoms, different liberties. We need to allow those things to bring us together. It's crazy how the church can get divided over the silliest of things the smallest of things, and we have to be, the Bible says not to be naive to the work of the enemy. He's the one who wants to divide. If God wants unity in a church to come together, it's the enemy who's going to throw these things and try to cause division and to disrupt what God is doing so we can't get sidetracked. And so in verse 2, we see understanding that our life isn't just pleasing ourselves. He reminds us in verse 2 what our life is about, and it's to please our neighbors to look out for our neighbors. That's what it's all about, love neighbor. That's what we are all about here, love God, love people, and that's what the Apostle Paul is saying here in Matthew 22. He says the second and greatest commandment is just like the first, to love your neighbor as yourself. Not loving yourself, not pleasing yourself, but pleasing others. The Apostle Paul talked about this in his letter to Philippians in chapter 2, verse 4. He says, we are to not look out for our interests, but for the interest of others. The life of a follower of Jesus Christ needs to be a life that is focused and fixed upon other people, not ourselves. That's what Jesus came for. He said, I came not to be served, but to serve and to give my life a ransom for many. That needs to be our life. If he as Jesus Christ, we are to be little Christ or Christ-like. That needs to be our life as well. It's about others. It's about everyone else, not ourselves. Jesus gave us that model. And when we do that, when we're looking for the good of others, as it says in verse 2, and to edify others, which means to build up and to bless, it's going to cause us to be a lot more loving and gracious with the differences that we may have. It's been rightly said that we need to take our eyes off of ourselves and seek to build up and edify others. And then what happens in turn is that we too are built up. That is a mystery of God. Because the world will tell you everything different. Look out for yourself, build yourself up, take care of yourself. And the more we do that, the more empty and lonely we get. The Bible says, bless, take care, build up others, and we too will be built up. It's a mystery of God. Just like it says, when you give, you will be given back. You can't outgive God. The world will say, you need to save, you need to get your portfolio, you need to do this, and you need to save, all these different things. God says, if you give, I will open up the storehouses. It doesn't make sense. The more I give, the more I get. It's a mystery of God. And so living to please our neighbor and doing good is a great thing. And this is something the Apostle Paul understood, something that he was willing to do. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, he said, to the Jew, I will become as a Jew. If I could win them, his heart was for people. And we saw that in Acts. In the book of Acts, he actually took a Nazarite vow. Because he knew he was going into Jerusalem. He took a Nazarite vow 
put himself under the law when he didn't have to. He knew it meant nothing, but he was willing to do it if it was going to build a bridge and bring together unity and harmony. He was willing to do that. And we have to be willing to do the same thing. If we know that somebody's sensitive towards something, we don't need to flaunt our liberties and our sensitivities to and in front of them. That's wrong. I remember when I was in Africa, I was, you know, they were very sensitive towards tattoos there. And so I would wear nothing but long sleeve shirts. I didn't want my tattoos to show at all. Even though I knew that there was nothing wrong with tattoos, there was no, nothing that the Bible would say to condemn them. But to them, if they thought that, I would say, okay, I don't want to stumble my brother. And India, one of the greatest sacrifices, parts of the villages, they don't eat meat. So I didn't eat meat. I was eating tofu. <laughs> the Lord bless it. They don't, they don't eat meat. The phrase, holy cow, that's where it comes from. Meat is, is, is sacred. It's different there. I'm serious. I'm not joking. That's where it comes from. The Hindus, they believe that, you know, you eat a cow, that's a, a, an old family member. You can't eat that. And so we wouldn't eat meat. Now, I knew that, but it's okay. Now, at the same time, we need to be balanced in our love and our approach for our brothers and sisters. We don't want to coddle or cater to wrong thinking, things that might be stumbling or wrong behavior. And we saw that in the book of uh, Luke chapter 14, when Jesus healed on the Sabbath. And the, the religious leaders of the time, the Pharisees, they were blown away. What do you do when you can't heal on the Sabbath? And Jesus corrected that thinking and behavior. He said, there's no wrong time to do something that is good. And so he wasn't going to allow them to, to think or to go along in wrong thinking or wrong behavior. So Jesus was willing to teach them. And so we see in verse 3, the apostle Paul pointing to Jesus as our perfect example of what it looks like to give. He says, for even Christ himself did not please himself. And then he quotes Psalm 69, showing that everything he did, he took upon himself for others. And that's what we see. Jesus was, look, he modeled what it was looked like to be focused on everyone else. He said, the only thing he does is that which is the Father's will. It was to bless others. Let's pick up in verse 4 where it says this. For whatever was written in earlier times was written for our instruction. So that through perseverance and the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. Now may the God who gives perseverance and encouragement grant you to be the same mind with one another, according to Christ Jesus. So that with one accord, you may with one voice glorify the God and Father, our Lord Jesus Christ. And so after he got done quoting Psalm 69 here. He reminds us that whatever was written in early times was for our instruction. The word of God, the precious word of God, everything in it is so that we can learn, be instructed, and taught about God. What a blessing. God wants to reveal himself to us. He wants us to know him, to learn about him and his ways and his plans for our lives. And the word of God is that which he uses. So this is a precious, precious book breathe voice of God to, to show who he is, his plan and his purpose for our lives. And so it's for our instruction. Now, this alone would be good enough, but as we see in verse four, also through perseverance and encouragement of the scriptures, we have hope. So he reveals himself, teaches us, instructs us through his word, but through it also we can have hope. How? 
When we go through troubles and trials and tribulations, the word of God gives us strength. It says to persevere and also gives us encouragement. How does it do that? Because from the beginning to end, Genesis, the revelation, you can just open it up and you can read story after story after story, how God faithfully delivered, how God faithfully provided for each and every single one of his people. And God is the same today, yesterday, and forever. He doesn't change. And so the same God who delivered his people from the lion's den, delivered his people from Pharaoh, provided for his people faithfully, so too will he do with me. And that's where the encouragement comes. The encouragement to persevere through the word of God. I can read this. Oh my goodness, thank you so much. So when things happen, when trouble, trial, and tribulation hits and falls upon me, I can go back to what I know. God, this is what you did for him. This is what you did for her. So too will you do with me. And that is what gives hope. That's what gives hope. What a beautiful, beautiful truth this is, that the word of God is a source of hope. Through it, it teaches us, instructs us, encourages us, and gives hope. Something we all need, something we all desire. There's a reason the enemy wants to keep you from this. Because he wants to get you hopeless. If this is a source of hope, he wants to keep you away from this. And so hopefully, you will delight in the word of God more today, more now, than ever before. Sadly, you would think that God's people are turning and running to the word of God. But I believe... Each generation, each year that passes, God's people are becoming more and more Bible illiterate. And I think with that, what happens is you see people walking away and you see people more hopeless now than ever before. You run across people in the church, well, I'm not really sure what the, what the Bible says about that, but, but, big but, what do you mean? You should know what the Bible says about this because when you know what the Bible says, it gives encouragement and it gives hope. And that's why, sadly, people are knocking on doors of professing Christians. And they're taking them through some scripture. Next thing you know, they're walking away from the Christian faith. Because they don't know the Bible. They don't know the illiterate. They don't know where the source and the strength and the encouragement comes from. And so we need to be instructed. And that's what the word of God does. And it also gives us hope. And so we see in verses 5 and 6, in these two verses right here, that the Apostle Paul is really busting out in prayer. And the prayer was pleading for unity. And he's asking God that in spite of these differences, in spite of these non-essential issues, that you would give your people, God, both Jew and Gentile, differences, all those different things, that you'd give them one mind and one voice. And if you would do that, they would glorify you. This would, this would bring glory. And that's what it's all about. God needs to be glorified in our differences, in our strengths, in our weaknesses. We come together as the body in unity, and then God receives glory in that. And that's something so special about that. And so don't allow our differences to divide, but rather let's delight in them. I love the New King, uh, New King James Version's translation of verse 5. If you would look at verse 5, it says, Now may the God who gives perseverance and encouragement. I love that in the New American Standard, but the New King James says this, May the God of patience and encouragement. The God of patience and encouragement. I love that because it's very clear and it's pointed and it points to who God is. And it's a clear reminder that he is the God of patience, that he is the God of encouragement. And oh, how I need to be reminded of that at times. That God is a God of patience. Maybe you're like me, you're not a person of patience. 
You want everything now. Immediate gratification. You want it instantly, instantly, instantly. And when I remind myself that he's a God of patience, it reminds me that God doesn't work on my time. That God is good and that he's working on his time. And even though when I don't feel like he's working, when I don't feel like he's moving, I know that he is, his time is perfect. And so, man, God, you're a God of patience. So help me to patiently wait upon you, knowing that you are perfect. And when I understand that, I remember those things that I'm praying for, those things that I'm pleading for, those things that I'm laying before the throne of grace, that maybe when it doesn't happen instantly, it's not a no, it's just a not now. And that encourages my heart, knowing that I need to be patient and patiently wait upon the Lord. And the Bible says, when I do, I will give, he will give me strength. And that's what we need. So let's look at verse 7. It says, therefore, accept one another just as Christ also accepted us to the glory of God. The Apostle Paul closes this section on unity with a simple request. Accept others just as Christ has accepted you. Paul's point here is very, very crystal clear. Receive others the same way that Christ received us, with love, grace. And we're all thankful that God received us that way. We're so thankful for the grace of God, whose arms are open wide saying, come to me. And he received us and he gave us grace, unmerited, undeserved favor and love. That is the way that we are to receive others. The ultimate example that we need to follow. So in closing, I love what Charles Spurgeon says on verse 7. He says this, Christ did not receive us because we were perfect. Amen? Because he could see no fault in us or because he hoped to gain something by our hands. Oh, no. But in love, covering our faults and seeking our good, he welcomed us to his heart. In the same way and with the same purpose, let us receive one another. And so let us love people and glorify God by receiving people the way that Christ received us. Let's be patient with those around us and patiently wait upon God, who is a God of patience and a God of encouragement. And let's delight in his word, the source of hope, now, today, more than ever. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word. And Lord, we just even want to thank you for today, God. And we want to acknowledge that you did something amazing in this place, Lord, through worship and your word. And God, we just glorify you that you would come and inhabit the praises of your people, that you would send your Holy Spirit, the teacher of all things, God. And so, Lord, we, we want to leave meditating and allowing the word of God to sink deep into our heart. We don't want to just be hearers, but doers of your word, Lord. And so, God, help us by the power of your Holy Spirit, Lord, to love people, to receive people the same way that you received us, God. Lord, help us to be patient with those who are around us, to embrace their differences, not to allow them to divide us, but to delight in them, God. And, Lord, also to patiently wait upon you, knowing that you are good and that you are perfect. And so, Lord... We just ask, God, that you would continue to work in our hearts and our lives until we see you because we need you. We need you, we want you, and we desire you. We pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. Before we can truly know and understand what it's like to love people, to receive people, 
We can't put the carriage in front of the horse, the cart in front of the horse. We have to understand truly what it means to love God with everything that we have and to receive God. That's where it starts. Loving people and doing those things are, are difficult, but once we understand the love of God and receive his love, it changes us from the inside out. And that's the most important decision, the most important thing that we can do is receive God, be right with God. Jesus said, for as many that received him, he's given them the right to become children of God. And so if you're here this morning, in the sanctuary, in the fellowship hall, or even watching online, and you need to receive Jesus Christ, today is the day of salvation. Don't put it off any longer. Today's the day we need to open up your heart and say, God, come in. I'm separated from you. I'm far, far from you, but I don't want to be any longer, God. Jesus, I realize that you died on the cross for me so that I could be forgiven, so that I could have a relationship with you. And I want that to start today. Right here, right now, you can be forgiven. You can be set free from sin, weights, those things that hold you back, those things that paralyze you from a close, intimate, personal relationship with God. But today's the day. His arms are open wide. He's saying, come to me. Taste and see that I'm good. And so in a moment, I'm going to ask you to open up your heart and to receive Christ, to stop running, to stop doing things your way, to open up your heart and say, God, I'm yours. I'm giving you my life. So I'm going to ask everybody to bow their head and to close their eyes. And if you're here today and you know that you're separated from God, but today is the day where you say, I'm done running and I'm going to receive you today, God. I'm going to receive you by faith. I'm going to open up my heart. I'm going to give you my life. If that's you and that's the cry and that's the prayer of your heart today, I want to pray with you. I want to pray for you right where you're seated. I'm going to encourage you to stand up right now so I can pray for you. If you're here today and you're ready to receive Jesus, stand up so I can pray for you. God bless you in the back. God bless you. I'm going to ask that you would remain standing. I believe there's someone else. I believe there's others who are saying, I'm done doing this on my own. There's some in the fellowship, Paul. God bless you. His arm is reaching down. He's saying, receive me. I'm good. I want to forgive you. The plans that I have for you are good, not for evil. The enemy's desire is to steal, kill, and destroy. He has stolen too much, and he has killed too much of your life. Give Christ your life today. Anybody else, will you please stand? Maybe you're here today and you, you need to rededicate your life to the Lord. You've opened up your heart, but you, you, you straight away, you went down the wrong road a little bit. And you're saying, God, I want to come home. I want to come home. So if you want to rededicate your life to the Lord, say, will you stand as well? Anybody here? All right. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Keep standing. Right, those of you who are standing, I'm going to lead you in a simple prayer. It's not about these words, it's about the condition of your heart. And so just repeat them after me. You don't even have to say it out loud. Just say, Dear Lord Jesus, I have sinned and fallen short of your righteousness. Dear Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. I receive you now as my Lord and my Savior. Please come into my heart and help me to live for you in all that I do. In Jesus' name I pray, amen, amen. God bless you guys, you may be seated. You may be seated. God bless you guys. 
If you're here today and you, you said that prayer, there's a prayer room right here. We'd love to give you a Bible. We'd love to encourage you, give you some next steps on this journey of walking with God. If you would just go to the prayer room. Also, if you're here, you're struggling, you're hurting, you just need a, a touch from God. There's people who would love to pray for you. There's no shame. We all need prayer. And so please don't leave this place without just stopping by saying, will you, will you pray for me? Will you ask God to, to bless me? And so... Let's not allow the differences within the body to divide, but let's delight in them. And if you are here and this is your first time, please stop by and say hi. We'll see you guys next Sunday. God bless you. Let's stand for our final song.